Another episode of the Searching for Skylab podcast where I sit down with Dwight, Stephen Bonietsky, and we discuss the Skylab missions, the Skylab space station and everything else in between. Dwight, how's it going? It's really good. Why do you keep talking over that catchy tune? I just want to hear it for once. Bloody yeah, hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad somebody does. Yes, well, you know, it's a good song. <laughs> so, Dwight, as the director of the documentary Searching for Skylab... We've already had some interesting discussions. We've really gotten to pick your brain so far in the last few episodes. And we're going to do it again today. Awesome. Believe it? Yeah, I'll do believe hardly, it. hardly. Anyway, this is the episode where we discuss the end of Skylab, Dwight. Even though it wasn't really the end because its legacy lives on and uh, so on and so forth. But it's the end of Skylab as a space station. That's right. And to be honest, that is one of the, my most vivid memories of the space uh, era when mm. Skylab impacted on Australia. And we touched on this uh, the very first episode, the very first podcast we did. When I was in school as a 10-year-old boy, there was a poster that some other student had put up in the principal's office that said Skylab is falling. And it had a picture of Skylab with its uh, you know, well-known windmill look. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I first read about it in detail. And right, you know, I went to bed terrified that it was going to hit me. And you know, in in 1979, it was a media event that this thing was going to crash down. And the Americans thought it was going to crash on them. Canadians thought it was them. The British thought it would be them. Europeans thought it would be them. Uh, the, the then dictator of the Philippines was had to go on television to calm down the Philippines <laughs> that it wouldn't kill anybody there. It was a major, major deal. And Australia won the lottery, the Skylab, lot, the Skylab did, lottery. But get a load of this. South had people Africa heard of Australia before? Well, did they hear about South Africa before? <laughs> well, hang, hang on. Hang on now. Let's not get so personal so quickly. Yeah, exactly. For all the wrong reasons too, I bet, with those bloody <laughs> South Africans. Now, uh, listen. Uh, okay, so you say Australia, but also South Africa had something to do. With yes. Uh, okay, well, we get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yes. Yes. Right. Now, we've got here the audio of uh, when Skylab impacted into Earth, and you can hear what the PAO announcer was saying as it impacted. So have a listen. Skylab Central Daylight Time. Preliminary estimates by NORAD indicate that uh, Skylab has impacted at uh, 42 degrees 87 minutes south, 105 degrees 0.97 minutes east, which puts it off the southwest corner of Australia. This is a preliminary estimate by NORAD. Degrees again, 42 degrees 87 minutes south, 105 degrees 97 minutes east, in the southern Indian Ocean, southwest the coast of Australia. This information will be updated as we get refined data from the Air Force. At 11.39 a.m. Central Daylight Time, this is Skylab Control. Wow, that's 
that's amazing to listen to. Uh, it sounds like that guy's voice is actually trembling when he when he says uh, it has impacted. It, it you can almost hear the uh, the shock in his voice. Yeah, when you look at the footage that was uh, filmed right when he was making this announcement, Ed Gibson was standing just a couple of meters away from him, and Ed does amazing. not look happy. Uh, the, the, <laughs> it, I, it did affect these guys. It, it was the end of an era. Right. It was an end of an era. Yeah, sure. It's an emotional thing. But maybe you can tell us before. Let's let's rewind a little bit before you're you're at school as a ten year old, and you see the picture of Skylab, and someone had written Skylab is falling. Let's rewind to before that. What happened? What was the beginning of the end for Skylab? Because that wasn't actually the planned end of the space station. No, it wasn't. Was it? And uh, when the SL four crew left b- before they undocked, Jerry mm. Carr fired the thrusters on the command module to boost the space station into a higher orbit to take mm-hmm. into account that it would be quite some time before the shuttle, which was then planned to launch in 1978, would be able mm-hmm. to reach it. Now, right. I remember as a, as a child that the reason they called it the shuttle is because it was going to shuttle astronauts between the ground and the space station. I see what they did there. Yes. Very clever. Very clever. Now, then the only thing since Skylab up until the space shuttle launch that they had was Apollo Soyuz test project, the joint mission between the Americans and the Russians. Mm-hmm. So after Apollo Soyuz test project, there were no manned missions up until the planned launch of uh, this first space shuttle. So there was a big gap. So they purposely put Skylab into a higher orbit to cater for the fact that atmospheric drag and the rest of it would eventually affect the orbit and bring it back closer right. to earth so that would take right. into that uh, that was taking that into account okay now round about 1977-78 they realized that skylab was uh, coming in on the decay list at norad and mark okay. pastana is in the film telling us that he was seeing this you know suddenly coming higher up the list and that mm. meant the thing was coming down earlier than predicted And they figured out that due to increased solar activity in the 70s, this had actually affected the orbit of Skylab, bringing it closer to the Earth. That then in turn caused it to decay quicker, which Mm -hmm. meant it was going to strike the Earth unless there was a way to to reboost it. So knowing all this, NASA had worked on plans to try and reboost Skylab using the space shuttle, which they hoped would already have launched in 78, using the TRS system to reboost the the Skylab. Now, that meant that the space shuttle would launch a remote-controlled teleoperated booster rocket that would connect to Skylab and boost it into orbit without the shuttle having to dock to it. And uh, they realized very quickly that the space shuttle was not going to launch in time. So they considered very briefly to launch it on unmanned rockets. And then they figured out that the cost was way more than what they was hoping. So they decided to cancel that altogether, which in my opinion was a very short-sighted decision because they ultimately sealed the fate of Skylab. They were not going to rescue it. They knew the shuttle wouldn't reach it in time. Skylab was doomed to fall back down to Earth. Right. Without giving giving it a chance. That's right. Now, there was one thing that they managed to do in 1978, and that was to reactivate the station remotely. So they were able to, to maneuver the spacecraft with the remaining propellants on board, and so they were 
adjusting the orbit to minimize the rate at which it was uh, decaying its orbit. Now, you're probably wondering, where does South Africa fit into all of this? Yeah, I had no idea we formed part of this. Well, I think they were aiming for for a for a crash site somewhere south of of uh, Cape Point or something, right? Yes, you, you've oh, hey, you've done your research. I am very impressed. I watched, I watched one or two movies about Skylab in my time. Do <laughs> you did? Which ones? <laughs> and hopefully one. our Just, one only. Yes, one. Yeah. Hey, I, speaking of which, I saw searching for Skylab is now on the official Skylab Wikipedia page, which is pretty cool. Yes, it Skylab, is. It is Skylab oh. on film. I had to fight tooth and nail to get our uh, listing up there because uh, somebody had written the information and while very well-intentioned, they got some of the facts wrong. So I changed them. And then what I didn't realize is that you're not allowed to change your own information. You can't, Dwight. You can't. You can't be the director of the film and and go and and change change the stuff about your film. You can't. And So I had to argue my point, right? And uh, Who who were you arguing with? The moderators? Oh, the moderators. Dark, shadowy internet uh, figures. Look, Wikipedia uh, is not the most encouraging place to want to post if you're a newbie because they'll they'll bite your head off for a mistake that's honestly – Yeah, seriously. So anyway, uh, um, searching for Skylab good Wikipedia Frakwerdig, as I would say in uh, German. Okay, yeah, questionable. Yes. So let's return back to the story. Let's return to the story. Right. Um, so South Africa. South Africa. That's right. Now they aimed it at a point about eight hundred miles south of Cape Town, and they were hoping it would impact the ocean, and therefore nothing land-based would be hit. What they didn't anticipate was the fact that Skylab would bounce across the atmosphere and that affected, yes, it bounced and it had an error of 4% of what they were calculating. So it landed in the Indian Ocean as they liked, but it also Mm. spread itself across Western Australia. Okay. And towns that were in the uh, path of that were Esperance, Ralina and Balladonia. And residents went out in the nighttime and watched the thing fly overhead as it impacted uh, on land. And there was one television operator, uh, Stephen Sidaway, who was working for Channel 9, which is uh, one of the networks in Australia. And he was sitting on the rooftop with a television camera and filming the thing as it, it, it came streaking across the sky over Esperance. And that is the only footage they have of this thing crashing. Really? Yes. You know, that would not be the case today in modern day. No, everybody in there. So many mobile cell phones. phones. It'd be all over social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the kids are using these days. Exactly. Amazing. I mean, but there, back there in those were, days, you didn't. There were photographs. There were plenty of photographers that took the thing. And, right. and one uh, sure. West Australian resident, I can't remember his name, his photographs were featured in the National Geographic edition that was discussing the impact. Yeah. So it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And NASA were extremely concerned that uh, if it hit a populated area, obviously loss of life and injury would occur. And they were very, very relieved when they figured out it was uh, impacting over the most- Exactly, where there is... It's just Australia. No one cares about Australians. Well, they were aiming for South Africa. So imagine all the suffering (laughs) that could have been, uh, you know, avoided had it hit there. But, you know... But it is fortuitous that it was Australia because, uh, of course, you have huge areas of space, like you were saying, well, not space, but areas of land where where there's just nothing, right? Exactly, exactly. There, there are unconfirmed reports that a cow was killed, but <laughs> yeah. uh, nothing that can be uh, that tragic. can be confirmed. It's tragic. Yeah. It's so now, tragic. 
to this How day... How far away did you live from Esperance or from, from the uh, crash sites? Uh, look, put it this way. A, a piece of metal just narrowly missed, missed my head as it came flying over. Mm. By how many um, kilometres? Uh, about what? How many is it from Sydney to Perth? Uh, well, it's a five-hour flight, so work that out. <laughs> so, yeah. About 3,000 kilometres. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, narrowly avoided getting hit, Dwight. Well, that's how I remember it. Yeah, that's how, that's how a good storyteller always uh, embellishes the story. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. were screaming in terror. Yeah. Um, actually, th- there are the reports of people who were in the uh, impact zone who said it was terrifying because I can bits, of, bits of metal and stuff were hitting their, their roofs and they've got corrugated yeah. iron roofs there because yeah. they're the outback. Yeah. Uh, but they were saying, um, you know, I wouldn't want to relive that in any great hurry. So with all this danger of shrapnel raining from above, was there was there something you could do to avoid getting hit, or something that you could do to protect yourself? Well, there was actually. It's very when you look at it today, you think, oh my god, they were these paper helmets that had a little point on the top of them, and you, you could buy these things for I think it was a dollar or something, and you'd put it on your head, and the little point at the top gave you that split second warning that you were about <laughs> to get killed by the space station. It's at least you got a warning that you're yes, about you to die. You got a warning, die. so you had enough time to die. go. Oh, I've wasted my life. You, you're still going to die, but you just get a warning. <laughs> you get a warning, yeah. Die. That's nice. Nice. Gives you a chance for your life to flash uh, before your eyes. Yeah. Oh, and there, yeah. there's another interview uh, on one of the news channels. Uh, they were filming uh, people in Britain. You know, were they concerned? And this one gentleman in the north of England says, "Well, you know, knowing my luck, it'll hit me just as I walk out of the pub." <laughs> yeah. Skylab, post pub. That that's one to explain to the missus. Yes, that's <laughs> what happened to you. Oh, well, see, I was and stuff. So anyway, as a joke, the Shire of Esperance fined the United States government four hundred dollars for littering. <laughs> and that's that is this is the funny thing as well. That fine remained unpaid up until April two thousand and nine, where a radio station in the United States got wind of this story and thought, hang on, I wonder if this thing has ever been paid. And they figured yeah. out that it never was because it was tongue-in-cheek. It was never serious. Yeah, sure. And they figured, oh, well, let's take the joke one step further. So they organized a collection with all their listeners and flew a representative out to Esperance in 2009 they- to pay the bill. <laughs> And it's, and it's only right. They were littering. NASA was littering. Yeah, rightly so. Beautiful country rightly and these so Americans just country. throw their rubbish around. Uh, sorry, but and- you've got to pay. Believable. Now, not only that, but they, uh, the Americans also, there was a newspaper, the San Francisco Examiner, which offered ten thousand US dollars for the first piece of Skylab that was delivered to a, to its offices. Right. And there was a fourteen year old uh, kid in in Western Australia who grabbed the the shrapnel, flew on an aircraft to the United States without a passport. And claimed his prize. Now, I don't know how they let him in, and I don't know whether this story has been a little bit blown out of proportion because I can't imagine right. anyone getting on a plane. Even in the 70s, you couldn't just get on a plane and fly overseas without no. going through passport control. Sure, sure. It sounds a little uh, fishy, but we'll, we like that. We will take it. Now, of course, me being 10 years old and my friends were all at, at that time, Lego had brought out Legoland Space, which had like mm-hmm. space shuttles and rockets and lunar rovers and things like that. And these were expensive, right? And we heard about yeah. this kid that got $10,000 and we were like, 
oh, could you imagine all the Lego space we could buy with $10,000? <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of yeah, Lego space. Why did he sure. get it? You get it. <laughs> what? He probably won't even buy Lego space with it. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he bought a car or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, 10000 That's That's a lot of smackaroos. Yeah, yeah, and the, the, that started this frenzy of people looking for Skylab souvenirs and there, there's uh, footage, we didn't use it in the film, but they, they set up a makeshift uh, museum, okay. uh, which was just basically a tin shed and $1.50, I think, for entrance, and you could look at the, the Skylab uh, uh, debris. Now, one of those pieces I saw was up for auction about a year ago and went for around about, I think it was $10,000 US dollars, if I'm not mistaken, well, or still, in excess of. Something. Yeah, okay. so uh, apparently you can still go out onto the properties there and prospect for it, but everybody recommends go to the landowner, ask them. Most of them couldn't care less because they would have dug it yeah. up themselves, yeah. but you just can't go on there and say, well, I'm looking for Skylab because they'll probably mm-hmm. shoot you. So this year, 2019, is actually the 40th anniversary of the the crashdown, right? That's right. And Esperance uh, Museum is planning mega celebrations about this because that impact put the town of Esperance on the map. Uh, You look at any website dealing with Esperance, and they will say their biggest claim to fame is the fact that Skylab hit them. And we were talking about this in the first episode as well, uh, as Fortune had it. The, uh, the the Miss Universe pageant was held in Perth two weeks after it impacted. So one of the main draws of, of the telecast was showing this piece of Skylab, which you can now see in the Huntsville Rocket Center, which was, I think, one of the oxygen tanks or something. It was the talk of the town back at, back at that stage. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's still interesting with all these stories and uh, things like that, that somehow it just sort of faded out of the conscience because there were a lot of news reports about this at the time we spoke about it uh in the last episode we spoke about some uh, some of the problems that they faced uh, uh, the, the problems that launch and then the mutiny if you want to call it that um there were a lot of things that caused a lot of media stir and still even with all of that kind of thing at the time once skylab was back to earth it kind of just faded out of mainstream consciousness Look, just the other day, my wife and I were watching a a program about living on the ISS or the International Space Station, and they did mention Skylab, and I'm pretty sure they mentioned it for approximately 5.24 seconds. (laughs) Which is, considering what they owe to Skylab, it's quite something. Exactly, exactly. Now, admittedly, throughout the interview, they interviewed Richard Garriott, the son of Owen Garriott. Now, Richard himself was was a cosmonaut that went up to the ISS. And he is the son of Owen, who was on SL3. So there is the Skylab link there. But apart from saying the Americans launched Skylab in 1973, that was it. That's about as much coverage as Skylab got. And I thought, oh, okay. Uh, Our film does stand alone. It it does not have any other uh, competition, so to say. Uh, There's just nothing else about about it out there. No, and, and we had the fortune or the misfortune, however you want to look at it. We got the last interviews of Paul Weitz and Bruce McCandless. You can't get those interviews anymore because these gentlemen have passed away. So mm. we were at the right time, at the right place. Uh, which le- That leads me on to a teaser for the next episode that we're going to be doing for the Searching for Skylab podcast. We're going to be going through a list of each of the astronauts 
um, that flew the missions. And we'll also talk about some of your anecdotes about them because uh, you traveled across the world interviewing various astronauts or family of the astronauts. Uh, so I'm very excited to hear some of those stories. Oh, they're, they're fascinating people. That You, you, yeah. you, you yeah. go in yeah. there, they are so humble. Um, yeah. They actually said that to us, the, the, the people that run the, the rocket center in Huntsville. These guys were pioneers, and yet they're so humble. They come in there, and, and the, the, all of them were blown away about the manners and the, just the good nature of these guys. Yeah. And, and that's what uh, my wife and I uh, figured out that the second we started talking to these guys, that they are so humble and they are so thankful that somebody finally has taken an interest in what they were doing. Whether, for yeah. example, uh, Bruce McCandless never flew on Skylab, but he was instrumental in – the jetpack testing, the the astronaut maneuvering mm -hmm. unit. Uh, he was on Capcom for for a majority of the missions, and it's like no one ever thanked him for that. And suddenly we came yeah. along, and we we're asking him questions that had nothing to do with his space shuttle flights. And he was like, "Oh, you could see it in his face." Finally, yeah. so we got so you got Esperance coming up uh, in July. Are you going to fly out for that? Uh, looks like it very much so. They're they're bringing me out oh, there. We're exciting. going to present the film there. We're going to have our Australian oh. premiere at Esperance. That'll be so cool. Um, I'm getting all the the archival footage I can for for them uh, of how it was when it impacted there. Mm. Uh, we're going to probably do some link ups between astronauts and or space facilities in the United States. So okay. it's all it's all in planning phase at the moment, but it's looking to be very very cool. Oh, that's exciting. So I might, I might put out a, a special shout-out to Linda Horn, who is uh, managing this whole Skylab celebration thing at Esperance. Look forward to seeing you, Linda, and uh, really enjoying working with you to get this thing happening. Yeah, very exciting. I, I look forward to hearing how it goes down. Yes. Uh, searchingforskylab.com is your website. That's right. You've got some, you got some blogs. You've got any new blogs in the pipelines? Um, yes, about Skylab. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a bit of a surprise that we'd find Skylab blogs on a Skylab website. That's right. You, also, you can also listen to this podcast on the Skylab website. You can also sign up for the newsletter, which has wonderful tidbits of information that you don't get anywhere else. You can find Searching for Skylab on Facebook. They have a Facebook page. You're on Twitter. That's right. We're oh. SF underscore Skylab on Twitter. And most importantly, if you want to watch the movie, you have to go to Vimeo.com and look for Searching for Skylab. You can search for Searching for Skylab, and then you can watch the movie. And no spoilers. We won't say if they uh, find Skylab or not. You'll have to watch the movie to find out. Yeah, possibly. Maybe that's for part two. What is next for you, by the what way? What is ne next for me? Uh, rehabilitation. Yeah. <laughs> recovering from the filmmaking process. Yeah. I, will you ever I, I, will you ever make another film is the question. Um possibly, possibly. Okay. Right, uh, right. but, but let's let's first get this one out there. The, the one thing I'm doing at the moment, Ed Gibson has asked me to proofread his book which is uh due to come out later this year. I won't give anything else away, oh. but it's a really really good oh, read. Um, oh. something that I think the kids of today need to read about because there's a lot of misinformation going out. You know, the, the yeah. flat earth movement and, and yeah. like, in this yeah. day and age, I'm sorry, but no. And I just can't. There's no excuse. No. And uh, Ed's is a really bare bones expose of how America were at the top of the race and have mm. slowly declined and have all the, the mechanisms in place to make sure that they be, 
come number one again. And, yeah. uh, you know, Skylab plays a, a small story in that too because they learn so much from it. Wow, that sounds, that sounds fascinating. When, when's that coming out? Towards the end of the year? Uh, mid-year to the end of the year. I don't know what, what his plans are. I'm just proofreading at okay. the moment. And uh, okay. um, it's, it's due to come out sometime this year. And uh, you've also got a book that's just been reissued, Live TV from the Moon. That's right. You can, you can get that from Apogee Books or on Amazon. Um, yeah. <laughs> there were outrageous prices that used versions were going for. Yeah, uh, I saw that. $400. Like, what? I wish I yeah. saw some of that. Um <laughs> And it's finally back down to a reasonable price of twenty nine US dollars, and you get the okay. the DVD yeah. included with it. It's uh, right as as uh, I, I stated, you know, the reprint has corrected some errors that I had in there, and the first thing that somebody commented, "What you make errors? How can that be?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Cannot be." That's a good reputation to have. There's somebody who has yeah, a lot of attention is. to detail. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly you. Okay, on that note. We're going to play out with a certain song you may have heard before, Dwight. And I will see you next time for the discussion about the astronauts. And by the way, the, the, the episode after that, another little teaser, is we're going, to, we're going to talk more about making of the movie itself. That's right. That's right. That might even be a video one. That, yeah, I think we should make that a video one. Cool. Well, it's been great talking to you. Yes, it's been a slice. We'll see each other next time, Dwight. Thanks for chatting. Okay, cool. See you later. 